I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Parking, it can be a real source of frustration for a lot of downtown drivers. And hey, maybe you're in your car right now. Maybe you're thinking, one, where can I even find a street parking spot? Two, how long can I park there? Three, do I have enough change to keep the meter fed? Get number three wrong, and you'll be facing a ticket. And starting this month, the city will be enforcing parking 24 hours a day in certain downtown areas. So, where are these 24-7 parking zones? Why did the city decide to take this step now? That's coming up later this hour. But first, earlier this week, Mayor John Cooper announced that he will not be seeking re-election in August. That means the mayoral race is now wide open. We know three people who are already in. Metro Council Member at Large Sharon Hurt, District 19 Council Member Freddie O'Connell, and Nashville Economic Development and Affordable Housing veteran Matt Wiltshire. But speculation has been wild. Joining us now to look at how the mayoral race is shaping up is Steve Cavendish, editor of the Nashville Banner. Steve, thanks for being here. Welcome back to the show. Always good to be here. Good to have you. So, all right, Mayor Cooper is not running again. What should we take away from this announcement? Uh, being mayor is hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mayor Cooper had had a had a line in his uh, in his remarks that I thought was really interesting. He said, "You know, I basically had two terms worth of stuff in one in one term. Twenty uh, twenty alone, where you had COVID, you had a tornado, you had a bombing at the end of the year. I mean, that's that's a terms worth of problems. Mm-hmm. And you know, COVID lasting." Several years, in addition to whatever it is you were trying to do, you know, he came in trying to fix the city's finances. There's, you know, in the in the back half of his term, he's come up uh, with an, a plan for the east bank of the Cumberland River. In addition to, there's a there's, you know, stadium proposals at both the uh, the racetrack and downtown. It's a, it's a lot, and I don't think he was interested in. I don't think he was interested in running. If you look at his his campaign finance disclosure, he he spent more. His campaign spent more than he brought in la, in the last half of the year. He only raised like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. And as a sitting mayor, I think that's an indication that you know he didn't love fundraising, and mm. that's something that you have to do. Uh, and I think he was just a lot more interested in being mayor and and governing. And you have to you have to be you know committed to campaigning. And it's tough, and it's and it showed it showed in his remarks and in his voice, and I think he was just he was just I think he's just done, he's and just, so and I get it. You get the sense that he's tired, huh? Uh, a little bit. I mean, like I said, he's had a lot on his plate, and they're trying to get a lot done. I, I wrote about this for the Banner this week. You know, in a when I was I, uh, I and a couple of other reporters were talking to him, and I asked him, I was like, "Are you running for reelection?" And he's and, and he and his and his camp and his staff have said this. You know, the minute that I start running for a reelection, everything becomes about politics. Mm. And he knew that he had this East Bank proposal that he was he was pushing really hard and still is. And he, you know, he has this Titan Stadium proposal. Uh, all of that requires you know a lot of bandwidth. And I think that, you know, he just decided, you know, like, I've done a lot. I've done what I said, you know, what I set out to do. And uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to declare a victory and go home. What do polling numbers tell us that might have 
had something to do with this decision? Well, I, I think so. The mayor had a poll out uh, in January. I've not seen it. Um, I, I've heard kind of anecdotally that his approval numbers were decent. Uh, I heard and, and his approval numbers were decent last year in the Vanderbilt poll last year. He had he had like 56, 57 percent approval. The the interesting thing to me is that the right track, wrong track numbers for the city, the the way people feel about the direction of Nashville uh, has consistently been underwater. It's been more than half the city has said that we're on the wrong track. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter kind of like what your approval numbers are if the if there's a this undercurrent of if there's this undercurrent of, you know, we're not going the right way, then it makes it hard for any candidate. And and he was going to have a fight. He's got uh, some he, he has three people that have already jumped into the race that are considered all considered credible candidates. This is not like, you know, <laughs> this is this is not like some some people kind of stunt uh, campaigning against the against the mayor. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, he, he just looked up and said, you know, I, I just I'm 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 done here. Now, yesterday, News Channel 5 published a story about a retirement community, the Heritage at Brentwood, that is getting sued by one of its residents who say he was he was deceived into paying nearly $700,000 for what he thought was real estate, but was actually just an entrance fee to move in. John Cooper is the founder and majority owner. Did this have anything to do with his announcement? I don't think so. I mean, this is a this is a fairly standard sort of this is a fairly standard contract dispute. Um the 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 way the heritage is structured, you pay in, uh, and that money pays for like the interest that's generated off of that pays for certain things. Um, I, I know some people that are in the heritage. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure: my mother-in-law is in the heritage. Okay, does um, she like it? Um, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I you know I, I think that she would. I, I, I yes. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, but uh, but I, I think when I, w- when I was reading through the, the Channel 5 story, it's a good story. Uh, everybody should take a look at it. Jennifer Cross did a nice job with it. But I, I don't I, – I, it feels like a fairly standard contract dispute. It doesn't feel like the, there's, this is some sort of like mass deception that's going to blow back on the mayor. Now, we talked about this a little bit. We already know the three candidates going vying for the job, council members Sharon Hurt and Freddie O'Connell and former city official Matt Wiltshire. How are their campaigns looking at this point? Um, good. So, uh, so Hurt just launched. Uh, her disclosure shows that, that she raised about five thousand bucks, which is you know not nothing. I mean, it is it is is barely even starting. She has a kickoff event uh, on February the sixteenth uh, at the, at the pyramids up on Clarksville Highway. I, I think she's looking at that as being sort of like the the big uh, the big sort of move, even though even though she's been having conversations around town. Uh, I talked to uh, talked to all the candidates here in the last 24 hours, and all of them have said that they have received a ton of interest since uh, Mayor Cooper stepped out. Uh, I think um, both O'Connell and Wilshire are going to post pretty big fundraising numbers, uh, and Freddie said that he had a, a large number of kind of small donors that have have kind of come his way. Mm-hmm. And small donors, I think, are, are typically a measure of excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, you have to have big donors because you have to have you have to be able to fund a campaign apparatus. But uh, in terms of, you know, ask 
the, San, the Bernie Sanders people at the national level, ask the Trump people at the national level. Those small donors, uh, those small donors are a real measure of energy. Uh, and Freddie said they've gotten a lot. Uh, Wilshire said that you know, said that, you know I think they're going to take in like maybe a hundred thousand dollars this week mm. uh, and put him over. So he'll be up over a million dollars raised so far. And and to this point, that's the most any candidate has raised in you know kind of in at this point in the cycle uh, in 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 the city's history. Wow, that's that's big time. So. You know, I also hear that text messages have been flying around in every direction since John Cooper made this announcement. What, you know, who else is thinking about getting into the race? So I, I think they're kind of broadly sort of two groups. So there's the, let's start with like the not saying no people. Okay. Uh, so so Bob Mendez, who's the, who's the council at large, uh, is looking at it. He had said that he wasn't going to run uh, and, is, and is now kind of exploring it. Mendes has some advantages over other people, and he has a lot of name ID and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of kind of broad support. So he can probably wait a little longer to get in. Um, Odessa Kelly, the, the same way, uh, she ran for the seventh district against Mark Green. Uh, she was she's been kind of cryptically tweeting uh, mm. here and 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 not really saying much else. But I think she might be interested. Uh, Megan Berry, same way. Uh, her statement to to me and to and to other people uh, in the press was did did not say no. <laughs> okay. Um, didn't say yes, but I didn't say no either. So I, I think there's you, there's kind of that category, and then the, I think there's there's you know roughly five others that are kind of really seriously looking at this. Vivian Wilhoyt, who's the Register of Deeds, um, is, I'm sorry, who's the property assessor, uh, is um, very seriously looking at it. Um, she, like Sharon Hurt, has some advantages in that African American uh, female candidate who's won countywide office before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would be she would be a really interesting candidate. Uh, Jim Gingrich, who's the former COO of, of Alliance Bernstein, uh, I, I think that I, I mean I he's been looking at this for a while. I think he's going to get in pretty soon. Uh, just just from co- conversations that that I've had with him and, and that. And then I know his, I know his interest level is really high. Bob Freeman, uh, his dad, Bill Freeman, uh, they own the FW Publishing. They own the scene and, and some other things in addition to like a lot of housing and, and apartment complexes. And that's that, that's kind of their main business. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a state rep. He's looking at it really hard. He had said that he, he wasn't going to do it. And then I think this has made him kind of reconsider. Uh, Jeff Yarbrough's in a similar uh, camp, although I think probably Freeman would get in before Yarbrough. And then Charles Robert Bone, who ran in 2015 and raised a lot of money um, and has done a lot of stuff around the city, uh, pretty prominent attorney in town. You know, his, he sold his firm uh, last year, uh, uh, Bone McAllister, which was one of the kind of the bigger firms in town, merged with a, with a big national firm called Spencer Fain. And so... I don't think he's you know looking for stuff to do. He's got a lot on his plate. Uh, he's on the uh, he's on the um, convention center board and and does a does a ton of other stuff. But uh, he he texted me and said that he's you know within a couple of weeks he's going to figure out. He said he thinks he could put together the people and money to do it. Now you mentioned that Matt Wilshire has a million dollars, close to a million dollars yeah. already. How much is it going to cost? To, for this race to run for mayor effectively in Nashville? I talked to a bunch of people about this. Uh, most people think that it's a two and a half to three million dollar race, and mm. and so that's so that's interesting for a lot of reasons. One, it just kind of shows 
what the scale of these campaigns is. I mean, uh, Matt raising a million dollars is fascinating to me because that means he's now raised more than the than the Democrat did who ran for governor statewide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and he have you know we have like 160 days to the election, so we he's got he's going to have to raise a lot more. Um, I, I the this two and a half to three million dollars number means that a lot of people are going to have to if you get in you're going to have to write a check. Mm. You know, this is what this is the John Cooper strategy in in 2019. Cooper never raised much money until the runoff, and at the runoff, all the money flipped and 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 went in and supported him. But you know he raised some money. Uh, I think he raised like three hundred thousand dollars that summer, three hundred sixty thousand. But but he you know wrote two million dollars worth of. Uh, of of loans to his own campaign in order to in order to win that race, I, you're going to have because of the, because of the the time the expense, the number of candidates who are going to be trying to do things like expand their expand their name ID, uh, you know, build an apparatus, build a ground game uh, that can effectively target and win voters. Uh, Freddie O'Connell is is interesting, for instance, because he's not going to be able to ra- he can't write that check. Mm-hmm. But he said, and you know, he told me, he said we're going to raise a million dollars by June thirty. That makes him a competitive candidate. Does that mean he can spend the most money? No, it means he has to be very diligent about what he does. It means he's, he can't get into an air war, but but he can definitely be competitive. And if you know who your voters are, and you're concentrated on getting them and turning them to the polls in a in a big race where you've got six or seven candidates. You know, it's not about getting half the electorate. It's about getting twenty percent. Can you get your people there? Well, if you can, you don't. Maybe you don't have to have three million dollars to do it. Steve Cavendish is the editor of the Nashville Banner. Steve, thanks for breaking this down for us. Really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at changes to our city's parking policies and learn what it means for one local commuter. How do you feel about our city's parking? Like, how do you really feel? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. This month, the city is rolling out new parking policies for downtown. For one, parking will be enforced 24 hours a day, seven days a week in certain sectors. Other areas will see paid street parking from 6 a.m. to midnight. What other changes are coming? How does this plan help some of the city's infrastructure challenges? And how does this affect people who have to park downtown to make ends meet? My next guest is one such person. Abby Moss works two jobs downtown, and she joins us now. Abby, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you. Happy to be here. Really happy to have you. So, you know, you work two jobs downtown. What's it like for you to park? Uh, Stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But honestly, um, having the two jobs has been, has made me able to, like, actually make ends meet and not have a stressful uh, situation, you know, just getting downtown to Nashville. Um, I started working at a hotel downtown, um, and with that company being bigger, they were able to offer parking um, at a pretty affordable price for their employees, um, and that worked out well. Um, And I 
received another job down the street at a fine dining restaurant, um, and that job did not have any parking available. Mm. Um, so the natural course of things was to, um, you know, take the job that was offering more financial stability and continue on with life. Um, but I realized that uh, when I applied for parking in different areas, um, there was not any available um, or guaranteed. And it was upwards of like 150 just to be able to have insured safe parking. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was able to keep my hotel job one day a week. <laughs> um, so I'd have like a clopen situation, which is basically closing at one job and opening the next morning. So I would wow. be on the same street for, it was just ridiculous to have to come in and be like, wow, I was literally here six hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it it's a safe opportunity, you know, to have safe parking, but it just is, it's insane that I, I can't afford to not work that job. So you work one shift a week just for parking. Yes. It's crazy, I know. But it's reduced a lot of stress, I will say. But I don't think that it should have to be that way by any means. But You know, I'm, I'm curious. Um, what do your coworkers do for parking? Um, they Uber. Wow. Um, that, which can get expensive. Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're working, um, you know, the late shift and when everyone's partying out on the weekends, you know, the uh, Uber fares are like up to $40, $50. So you have to wait around until that dies um, to be able to get home. Um, but most of them uh, come very early, uh, look for street parking. So I imagine um, this is going to affect them a lot. Um you know, what about public transportation? Like taking that to work, is that an option available for you? Um, maybe. I I'm not quite sure. I know there is a bus that takes me to my to my um, neck of the woods, but it would be like, you know, a 20 minute walk at night um, to be able to get off the bus and and to my home. Um, mm. So that would definitely be an option. But it's just it's scary to be alone at night. You know. Mm -hmm. um, walking that distance, you know, and I'm a fraidy cat, so <laughs> I, I don't know if I would uh, survive well with that. I understand. <laughs> so now that we have a sense of Abby's dilemma, I'd like to bring in my next guests to help explain the city's plan. Angie Henderson is the Metro Council member for District 34 and sits on the Traffic and Parking Commission. And Meshach Adams is a Walk Bike Nashville Outreach Assistant and also sits on the Traffic and Parking Commission. I want to thank you both for being here today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Councilmember Henderson, what are some of the big changes coming to downtown parking? Well, I think the 24-7 uh, enforcement is the, the biggest, most immediate change. And I, I certainly have empathy for uh, Abby's situation, for sure. And I think, um, you know, we as a city are behind on managing our curb um, as far as an, an asset, um, it's a place for people to park. It's a place where we might have uh, bike lanes, where a business might have a valet stand. And so it is kind of a complicated uh, a spatial geometry, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, getting to a place where, uh, you know, we have uh, kind of smart parking, um, we've called it, and we've, uh, through the commission and uh, through council, uh, we've we've passed a bill to bring that um, 
into uh, effect. And so that's that's kind of what you're starting to see is that, um, you know, whether through your phone or, uh, you know, some other things that actually kind of make things easier for citizens um, and guests in the city uh, to engage that all the options um, available to them. Why now? I'd say now just because we're We've been behind. Um, this was first discussed in the Barry administration. Um, Nashville has had a lot of uh, leadership volatility um, and just the change in administrations. Um, and so this has been under discussion for a long time, um, whether through, you know, walk and bike strategic plan, transportation plans. We've known we needed to get to a place um, where we were managing our curb uh, better. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of we're just catching up now. Mm-hmm. So, so Misak, parking meters are going to be twenty four seven enforcement in certain parts of downtown. What's the timeline here? What are we looking at? Um, so, from my understanding, the timeline would be um, right now in February the pre- preliminary. So, you're looking at like folks right now. If you are illegally parked, you would get like a like a warning. And then, like, around March is when it would be, like, a hard enforcement. Okay. So in March is when things get serious. Mm-hmm. What does a hard enforcement mean? Uh, it means a few things. Um, for, um, one of these things is a um, thing called, like, a barnacle. So if you're caught, like, parking, uh, a parking enforcement person would put, like, a shield over your windshield. And then you would have to, they would call you. You'd have to call a number to get them to take it off. So no more placing the boot on one of the tires. This mm-hmm. goes on your windshield. Yeah. Wow. Ain't people going to get towed at all? No. no. And um, Director Alacron was, was kind of like adamant about not trying to tow folks because then you're dealing with the towing companies, but like trying to resolve the issue right then and there. Okay. So that's, that's the reason why you have the, the barnacle. So this is all coming in March. March. All right. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake-Alona. We're talking this hour about the new changes in our city's public parking policy. Tweet us your thoughts. I know you have them. At This is Nashville. Now, Meshach, you grew up in Nashville, right? Right. How has parking changed in the time that you've been driving? Uh, I, 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 went, to, I went to high school downtown, so I went to Hume Fogg, so it was a lot of you know, free parking, no, you know, kind of no rules and kind of similar to Abby. I had a job downtown um, where I worked in the arena um, and they were it was like a weird parking situation because sometimes I, I had a, they gave me a, a sticker for a lot and sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes I'd get a ticket, sometimes I wouldn't. It was one of those things where it's just it really didn't really didn't make any sense. And hmm. this policy kind of puts everything in alignment. Um you know, puts everything into alignment. So, have you ever received a parking ticket? Oh yes, oh definitely gotten a parking ticket, and and now I, uh, I and I paid it. <laughs> um, but it's 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 a, it's a change for the city, but it's also one of those things where you know we're making folks notice now, and you know we just need to kind of adapt. Okay, now Councilmember Henderson, you and Meshack both sit on the parking and tra- the traffic and parking commission. What studies did the commission use? for developing this new policy? So in progress right now is a study called Connect Downtown. Uh, But prior to that, um, under uh, the leadership, I guess, of Faye DeMassimo, uh, Director Alarcon's predecessor, um, there was a lot of engagement around a variety of pilots, kind of best practice. Um, And so, you know, we're looking at peer cities, um, how they manage the curb, um, uh, you know, uh, cities that have kind of a, 
24-7 downtown economy. Um, and I think it, it can be difficult for folks to keep up with, oh, okay, as of this time on this day, it's free, but it's not free then, but this one hour, right? So we're kind of just taking a, mm-hmm. a, a path to being kind of more uniform. Um, and, you know, Mishak spoke to it that in February, it's about educating, informing. These changes are going to happen. Uh, just, you know, warnings, you know, in an educational space so that people can start to uh, plan ahead for for their patterns. And then I think for us as a city, it's incumbent on us. Abby was speaking to, you know, there's a bus that gets near to her, but absolutely you don't want to walk in the dark in the evening uh, by yourself. And so uh, MTA We Go now uh, is implementing a program called We Go Link. And so, you know, if you've got your uh, your pass, your kind of reloadable card in certain zones, um, increasingly, I think we have five uh, zones now, more coming, but, you know, there's a, 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 a wide kind of uh, shed or area out from a particular stop or node, and you can take a $2 uh, Uber um, to your door. Um, And so, yeah, it's incumbent on the city. It's like, uh, you know, chicken, egg, uh, cart, horse, you know, (laughs) we're trying to kind of elevate the transit provisions. We absolutely acknowledge that there are so many people for whom transit is not viable. And, you know, the onus is on us to to make it work um, so that folks really can take the bus downtown, comes frequently at 1, 2, 3 a.m. You know, so we're talking about 24-7 parking enforcement. We need to be moving to a place where we're having 24-7 bus service, you know. Mm, Well, we got a tweet at This Is Nashville from user at Bugs621. Quote, parking has always been a point of stress in my day today. From roadway closures to event parking, it always seems like a battle. The only relief was free road parking at night, end quote. Why is free parking going away? There is a high cost to free parking. Um, I think there's pretty good research over decades that free parking induces traffic. So if given an option between free parking or taking the bus or uh, taking another alternative, um, folks are going to choose the, the free parking. Um, but in a city that is growing and growing, there is only so much road space. There is only so much curb space. And so, um, you know, again, that spatial geometry of just having to kind of solve that uh, problem and you can't keep widening roads. Um, you can't keep providing more and more parking. It just induces traffic. And so, um, you know, we've got to be kind of working all modes um, and we're kind of in a catch-up phase mm-hmm. on the the parking. All right, Abby, you heard the plan. What questions do you have for Councilmember Henderson? Um, a part of me is a little bit curious as far as Working with businesses, uh, for instance, the restaurant that I work at has been around for 10 years and they've never had a deal with a city or anything else to be able to ensure parking. Um, So to the point where some of my uh, fellow employees are um, paying, you know, for parking with like for memberships and different parking garages. And they found that a lot of the time, because those parking garages are also available to the public, that they have trouble parking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering, is there a possibility for the city to work with businesses or prominent businesses downtown to kind of create like a deal or some sort of parking membership to allow those people who are coming in? 
from farther distances or from outside of Nashville to be able to work? Is that at all possible or? We have a lot of work to do in a space that we call transportation demand management. It goes by the acronym of TDM. So whether with major employers, smaller employers, restaurants, you know, the maybe the association of the businesses downtown and those partnerships. And so, you know, it, it striking that balance of, you know, what does the city provide within the public right of way? that has a lot of pressures on it, right? Uh, we need to have, have transit, we need uh, loading, uh, we need to provide that bikeway, we need to, you know, so there's a lot of pressure there. Um, but the employers, right, certainly the larger employers, um, you know, managing their uh, garages, uh, free transit riding for their um, employees. So it's a benefit of your employment. Um, and then as you kind of scale down, right, then to like a smaller individual restaurant, that I think at a more kind of collective level, whether geographically, you know, what association of restaurants downtown or the downtown partnership, I think there's absolutely opportunities to have those conversations and figure out, you know, how can we support folks? Um, and so uh, I, I look forward to that. We have a new uh, transportation demand management lead uh, at NDOT. I think she just started a week or two ago. Mm. Um, we've had a state grant in that space about, you know, working with employers and how does that work. So I look forward to that work. All right, Abby, we got just about 30 seconds. Answer this for me. What are your hopes for the future of parking and getting around town? Um, my hopes are that I can have one job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and safe parking uh, so I can get to and from work safely without fearing, um, you know, the darkness and, you know, just dangerous stuff with downtown to be able to get to my car in one piece um, and not have to pay an arm and a leg is really all I'm hoping for. <laughs> that is Abby Moss, who works and parks downtown. Abby, thank you for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. Metro Councilmember Angie Henderson and Meshach Adams will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll explore how parking fits into plans for the city's future. Do you think we need a new parking policy? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Lele Colonna, and this is Nashville. Before the break, we learned about some of the changes to parking in the center of the city and surrounding areas, including around-the-clock parking meters in the heart of downtown. As we just heard, this will affect workers, tourists, and locals. But is it overdue? And what does this mean for the city's broader priorities? My next guest can help to answer those questions. Diana Alacon is the director of the Nashville Department of Transportation. Director Alacon, thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to This is Nashville. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Great to have you with us. So, you know, I want to start by asking, is our parking infrastructure outdated? Yes, it is extremely outdated. Um, it's um, it was a surprise uh, when I first arrived here in Nashville to see that we were still that we were using mechanical meters uh, uh, for on street parking, which actually I would say kind of went out of business or companies or cities and government started stopped using them. I want to say about, maybe about two decades ago. Um, so yeah, we're 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 due for a tune up. 
So how do these changes help address that? So with the smart parking program, we're going to actually be able to have technology be one of our solutions. I mean, right now, if you park on street, um, you have to use coins. That's all you can use. You have no other option or way to pay. So with the new meters and the new system that we're moving to, you'll be able to use um, many different ways of paying. So you'll have We'll have what is referred to as a multi-space meter where it will take a credit card or it will also take some cash. So you'll still have that option. We're not removing that from the streets, but you're also going to have the ability to uh, scan a QR code uh, that will pop up and allow you to enter information so you can pay that way. You'll be able to pay by text. So you'll have a number you can text and you can set yourself up an account and pay through that option, as well as there'll also be an app that you will be able to download and have on your phone. And you would be able to have the option to pay that way. So as you see on many private garages and parking lots throughout the city, we are stepping into that same technology generation and we'll be offering the same payment solutions. So on these kiosks, I will be able to use change because I've got a whole bunch of change in my car specifically for parking. <laughs> yes, sir. We are not taking that option away. Okay. We're just giving you more payment options. Uh, awesome. That's that's good. Thank you for having my back. Now, we've been talking about new hours of enforcement. Can you tell us exactly why there will be 24-7 and where, pardon me, there will be 24-7 and where it will be 6 a.m. to midnight? So in the downtown area, uh, if you uh, consider looking at from like um, Jefferson Street down through um, to the south end uh, loop, probably I think this Lafayette area, um, all in that area. Um, and then from, I want to say, going on the west side, the interstate to the river, that area is actually going to be 24-7. And it really fits, as the council member had mentioned earlier, with the economy. Um, so we are pretty much in that area 24-7. So this is going to allow us to have um, better, uh, offer better um, opportunities of the curb. Um, she also shared with y'all our Connect Downtown, which is really driving a lot of how we're going to be using our curb in the future. Um, but it's really looking about providing those spaces for the businesses so they can continue to grow and prosper. Um, and that's really the economy, the nighttime economy is really what's kind of going to be the parking will be supporting that nighttime economy. Now, Council Member Angie Henderson and Meshach Adams from Traffic and Parking Commission are still with us. Council Member Henderson, what were the commission's top recommendations for NDOT on parking? Well, the, the way it works actually is in reverse. So NDOT is coming to the commission um, with uh, policy suggestions um, that the commission inquires about, reads about, you know, make sure that we understand um, in the context of the larger strategic goals of the city. Um, and then we are uh, passing that at the commission, um, uh, sometimes with a recommendation to council, depending on if it's a bill or if it's a kind of internal uh, uh, policy. So um, okay. it's it's usually uh, Director Alarcon, you know, ex explaining things uh, very uh, uh, ably and well um, and staff. And that is uh, presented to the commission on our agenda um, for our consideration. OK, Meshach, how, how did that how did that process work out? How, how, reflect on that for us real quick. Um, yeah. So when when this came forward and I gave a very good presentation, gave a presentation about you know, the, the things that were needed, the Connect Downtown study. Um, and we, you know, it's over a s section of months, they've kind of rolled it out that, hey, this is something we were looking at. And 
Um, and the agenda item, we, we, we pretty much passed it. Um, there was some contention about whether we go 24 seven or, um, include, you know, still leave like leeway for holidays. But, um, we, as a commission decided it'd be best to go. 24-7-365 to keep it simple. Now, you also work with Walk Bike Nashville. Mm-hmm. How will these changes affect how people travel downtown and throughout the city? Um, I would say it would give folks, you know, kind of induce that demand to kind of think of different ways to get downtown. Um, even myself personally, like on New Year's Eve, I took the bus downtown because it was free. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things where it made more sense because it was too much, you know, too much parking. It wasn't enough parking. And so I would love to see opportunities for folks, you know, especially in that nighttime economy to, you know, like the $2 WeGo link or, but really just, you know, a free bus after a certain time. Now, NDOT will be in charge of enforcing these new rules. Diana, what will that look like? Um, well, we we do feel it's going to take us. So we've started rolling out the program. We've started meeting with community members because, uh, you know, there's many different avenues of the program. So not just the meters on the street, but we also have a residential parking permit program that goes with that. So we've started going out and meeting with the community on the residential parking permit program. We've been meeting with some of the merchants downtown as well about how we can accommodate the employees. Um, and we um, have really been doing major reach out education. We are doing a presentation on February 13th to the Traffic and Parking Commission on the new meters as well as the technology um, and giving them just a quick overview um, of what the community is going to be seeing on the street. Once we do that, which is the week after next, we will start rolling out and implementing the new um, meters. You will see new meters go out, the old meters come down, they'll be activated at that time, new signage will go up. We feel it's going to take us about 30 to 60 days, depending on weather, because we're working within the weather, Mm -hmm. to get all of that implemented. And then we would actually start the enforcement of 24-7 at that time. It's kind of hard for me to pinpoint the time, but I would say the 13th, our kickoff date, and then give us 30 to 60 days weather being part of our, our equation, and then we would start the enforcement. Now, yeah. I just want to add, when we start the enforcement, we're actually going to start what we are calling a soft enforcement. So it'll be with warnings because we do not want to come out and make this punitive. We want to let make it educational. We want to inform the community of what's going on. So we are going to have a period of time where it's going to be warnings are going to be um, provided versus citations. Uh, so it won't be punitive in the beginning. Okay. Okay. That's good. I'm, I'm accustomed to soft enforcement. My parents did that often <laughs> growing up. Now, ask me this. We'll answer this for me. We'll end up be hiring additional staff to make everything possible. So we've actually have hired a, a third-party contractor. And through that third-party contractor, we will be hiring additional staff that will be assisting us with the citation writing. As weather, you know, it gets warmer, tourism is going to pick up as we get into the summer and spring and summer seasons. How many people is NDOT looking to hire? So we're looking to add approximately uh, 12 people uh, through the third-party contractor that would be helping us. Keep in mind, it's not, not just enforcing in the downtown area. It's We also have some enforcement on the west end we need to do. And we also have enforcement in our residential parking permit areas. 
Uh, so it's really looking at all of the program, not just one particular area. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake We're talking this hour about the new 24-7 parking policy for parts of downtown. You can tweet us at this is Nashville. You know, Meshach, what can the city do to make Nashville less car dependent? Um, I think it's things through the a lot of the things that are going to be in the Connect Downtown study that are going to reveal, you know, how we use our curb space. So encouraging folks to to ride the bus and use WeGo. Um, and somebody like Abby, who's working, you know, working downtown, I would like to see a campaign maybe to encourage folks to ride together, group rides. Um, um, but I, I think it's just going to take folks kind of moving moving differently and in, in, in ways we haven't done before. But I, I think it's a good opportunity. I think this this parking is the first step. When can we expect the Connect Nashville plan to be ready? Um, think think we said the last the last meeting was March, so I think we should we should hear like the the final study in March. Okay, now you know Council Member Henderson, you know we're ha- we're having a mayoral election in August. What do you want from our next mayor when it comes to parking and transportation infrastructure? I think I want a mayor that is focused on building a functional network. Um, You know, we have been fits and starts. Uh, We've had many, many mayors in the time when we would normally in Nashville typically have one. And um, what that has meant going from our walk and bike strategic plan that I think there was a lot of buy-in on, a lot of understanding, building the core bikeable network, increasing transit headways and so forth. And so, you know, kudos, I think, to WeGo and MTA within their limited uh, funding. They have really been working their plan. Um, I personally, as a council member serving on our public works, uh, now transportation and infrastructure committee, feel that we've been somewhat disjointed um, in our implementation of our bikeway goals. And, uh, you know, I, I love uh, seeing we go uh, implementing uh, incremental uh, shelter improvements, uh, sidewalk connections. Uh, you know, when we talk about what's going to get more uh, or rather fewer people <laughs> driving, um, you know, the bus has to come more frequently. You mm-hmm. need to be able to walk out to the curb and it's just, it's every 10 minutes, right? Um, you've got your app and, uh, you know, it also has to, uh, when I take the 3B from the west side, um, it starts switching over to 40 minute headways, um, you know, pretty soon after rush hour. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make it a more viable option for folks. And uh, Meshach spoke to it well, when you've got, okay. you know, a Preds game or New Year's, uh, give it a try. That is Council Member Angie Henderson. She was joined by Meshach Adams with Walk Bike Nashville and Diana Alarcon, Director of Nashville's Department of Transportation. I want to thank you all for being here today. Really appreciate it. All right, it's Friday. That means it's time for me to hop out of the studio and ride shotgun with a fellow Middle Tennessean. So, We can't have a parking episode without talking to a tow truck driver, right? Today, I'm riding with Billy Jimenez with STR Towing and Recovery on the way to pick up and haul a truck in Gallatin. Buckle up. Welcome to my office. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Man, busy day today? Very busy. Uh, When it comes to an ice storm and everything else, you know, people are stuck in ditches. People need their cars picked up and taken to a body shop. You know, winter time is the worst time, and especially that when you're out here driving. So where are we headed to? Oh, uh, we actually hanging up pick up a GMC 1500 pickup that's going all the way to Gallatin. Okay. How many times have you had to 
tow someone because they wrecked the car <laughs> after they were on their phone. Or do they even admit that? They'll never admit that. Mm -hmm. They will never admit that. Yeah. But you could kind of catch them in the lie. And you could kind of tell. They're always going to give away their hand. Mm -hmm. You get used to it. I've been doing it for 14 years. So I could tell when somebody's coming up with a story or somebody's actually telling the truth. Yeah. So we go everywhere, anywhere in the 50 states. I had picked up one up the other day and went from North Carolina all the way back to uh, Murthboro, Tennessee. Wow. Yes. It don't matter whatever you're at. If you need us, we go and get it. We have accounts with a lot of people. And, you know, if their company vehicle goes down, no matter where it's at, we go and get it. Man, you've seen a lot of the country, huh? Oh, I have. <laughs> I have. I've been in Florida. I've been down to Alabama, New York, South Carolina, Kentucky, Chicago, Indiana, Ohio, and I've been around. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you know you don't have to be in a rush, put some nice music on, relax, and just enjoy. There you go. What do you like to listen to? Everything from alternative, rock, a little bit of salsa. Okay. I just started getting into a little bit of the 50s, some of that old classic rock. This is certain beats like salsa. You got you can hear if you tone everything down. It, it has soul. It has feeling. You know. You know it's the same with this job. That's why I like this of different music with different ways. You know, you get that soul feeling. You know. Yeah. Have you ever had a, a situation that was just incredibly tense? As in someone who was losing control of their emotions or maybe trying to take out their frustrations, well, express their frustrations on you. Well, it happens, especially when when they get to a car accident. They get uptight and, and then their emotions starts kicking in, you know? You can't get mad at that person, you know? Only thing you can do is trying to help them out and trying to make them calm down to understand. And it, it's hard, mm -hmm. but you just can't lose your cool. You have to um, find a way that you can help them out so they'll calm down and relax. Yeah. Have you always been this patient? No, no, <laughs> no. I used to repossess vehicles in Chicago. So over there, it was like the Wild West. Repo Man. Not just a job, it's an adventure. What brought you to Nashville? <laughs> an ex-girlfriend. An ex-girlfriend. Uh, why did I had a feeling as soon as you laughed like that? <laughs> I knew. I knew. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, but it worked out. My wife that I'm with now. How'd you meet your wife? Working at Walmart. Nice. And um, we lived together, and we've been happy for about about 12 years now. 12 years. And we just got married last year. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> that's beautiful. You know, that's one thing about this job is that you have to have a strong, a strong relationship. Your significant other has to understand that this job is a 24-hour job. You know, it could put a strain on your relationship because you guys don't see each other that much. You know, you're working a lot of hours. You know, you're doing, you know, you're doing a lot. I have met up to 4,000 people a year in towing. 
I have people that stop me in the grocery store and like, hey man, remember me? And it takes me a while to figure out. But when they tell me locations and stuff, I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> how is everything? How's your car running? How's that going? Yeah. You know? You know, I hate the simple fact that I can't remember everybody. But... 4,000 people is a lot, man. That <laughs> is. And uh, you feel bad. I mean, look, I, I think I've made a lot of people because I'm the host of this show and it's always somebody new Monday through Friday. Oh, but, always, you know. But you got, you, you outclassing me by far. <laughs> so, here, once we hook up a car, we pretty much put straps on the wheels so that way the car don't come off once we lift it up in the air. Now, are they gonna come out and pick up the truck? What's no, I gotta on? go and um, door knock. Okay. See where he wants me to park his vehicle. So oh, he has gotcha. sent me a picture of it. So the picture looks like he's gonna find me parked it right up in his driveway. You know? <laughs> Ooh, we're in a cul-de-sac. You got some work to do. Oh, this is easy with a little snatch truck. Okay. You know? Okay. Maybe I'll go ahead and go ahead real quick. Yes. Yeah. It's turning, but it won't start. I'm gonna go get some cookies for you and Amy. Oh, she yeah. just made them. Yeah. Oh, did she? They're like chocolate pudding cookies are good. Man. What? Yeah, I'll get yeah. you some too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this is the best ride ever. Uh, that's the best thing about this job. You always, you know, and, and, and you be wonderful people. And, you know, sometimes I have people give me cookies, drinks, stuff, you know, and it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Know? Those chocolate fudge cookies were the bomb. And I know cookies. Trust me. I know cookies. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Next week, in honor of TSU's Aristocrat of Bands Grammy nomination, we're re-airing a broadcast of our show about marching bands. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Cindy Abrams and Tony Gonzalez. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you next week, everybody. And be good to each other.